Hi everybody, welcome back to the fourth uh, and the final class of this series on Neil Hasidus. Um, thank you all for joining. This was something that was very exciting for me and I hope that for those listening along, if anybody has any questions at any point, please feel free to message me because this is only like a teeny little tiny drop as to what is happening in this world. Um, but with today's title, I think we're going to tackle a little bit what's next. We started with two classes on how it began, and we explained how Hasidus uh, began in this world, and we explained why at that specific time the Baal Shem Tov was able to be his gala while he was while the Jewish people were suffering physically and emotionally and spiritually. He was able to come and bring them. Um, with the light of Hasidus, bring them a lot of motivation, a lot of chizuk. Um, we also explained the letter um, that the Baal Shem Tov wrote to his brother-in-law about his alias Neshama, where he met with the Neshama Mashiach and he had a conversation with him. And we also discussed um, the concept of why it happened at that point. We explained the idea of the 6,000 years and that when Mashiach... Um, when, when the Baal Shem Tov was able to be Hiskala, it was the beginning of his Arab Shabbos. We explained the concept of Toamah. We also explained last week the concept of Yeridus Hadoros, that even though we're further and further from Har Sinai, we are able to have much more of the Oros of the, of, of the secrets of Torah. And even though we're at what we say, we're at the Eka, we're at the heel, we're Ikvis of the Mashiach, we do have the ability to tap into a lot of levels of Hasidas, i.e. Kabbalah, um, i.e. Taurus Hanistar. So that's where we kind of left off. Um, last week we spoke about Rabbi Nachman, um, and we spoke about he was the great-grandson of, of the Baal Shem Tov, and how his two main points of ancient Yeish, not to give up, and the concept of Simcha are two very, very important things that we can use practically um, in terms of Torah Hasidus, and we are going to tackle tonight um, how it's, we spoke last week how it's going, and we're going to speak tonight how um, it will continue, where we're going with this, and what's next. Um, so in order for us to understand this, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to take a step back a little bit. We, we spoke about the concept of the Torah being given at Har Sinai, and then we spoke about finally with Rabbi Shem Rayuchai, and then eventually with the Arizal, eventually with the Baal Shem Tov, and eventually with the students of the Baal Shem Tov, how the Torah of Nistar spread, specifically Hasidus. Um, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to try to connect the second class to the last class, and the second class is when we spoke about the Baal Shem Tov meeting with Mashiach. Now, what's important with the Baal Shem Tov meeting with Mashiach, with the Neshama of Mashiach, he asked him very specifically, so what do we do now? How do I bring Mashiach closer? How do I get it? When is it coming? And he explained that when the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov, which are the teachings of Mashiach, spread forth, that's when Mashiach will come. So what we learn from here is that Taurus HaChasidus, or Taurus HaNistar, is very much connected with the coming of Mashiach. So if we want to know what's next, we need to fully understand, and, and even though it's a very daunting task to understand what this means to be learning, to be able to bring Mashiach closer, what we're supposed to specifically be learning and how we see this effect happening in the world right now. So what we understand is that in order for us to hasten the coming of Mashiach, if we want Mashiach to come faster, we need to learn the teachings of Mashiach. So we need to learn the Taurus HaMashiach, which is Taurus HaChasidus, which is Taurus HaNistar, which is Kabbalah. 
So now, um, what it sounds like from hearing this is that if we talk about Torah HaMashiach, that there's a Torah that's connected to Mashiach, then it has to be that there's a Torah connected to Galas, right? If there's a Torah of redemption, of Geula, then there has to be a Torah that we are having and we, we experience and we learn and we connect to here in this physical world while we are in exile. So let's understand this a little bit from the teachings of the Arizal. Um, one of the students of the Ariza, Rav Chaim Vital, he actually is the author of the Kisvei Ari. He wrote down a lot of the teachings of the Arizal, and he explains that when he was actually 30 years old, he expected Mashiach to come. He thought that, like, according to his calculations, that that's when Mashiach was going to be coming. You know how, like, when the Jewish people counted 40 days and 40 nights and Moshe wasn't there, or, like, when um, in the time of Ahasuerus, right, when they counted, they're like, oh, it's 70 years and the Jewish people are still here, right? So he counted, according to his calculations, he thought that on his 30th birthday that Mashiach would be here, but it wasn't. And he did a little, a little investigation, and he, what he found was he came to the conclusion that the people were not yet learning the Torah of Mashiach. And he explained the following. He explained that the Torah that was given to us is here to complete us, is here to make us better people, and to just make us good Jews, right? And Rav Chaim Vital explains that just like a Jewish person or any person has, is comprised of a body and a soul, there is a body and a soul to Torah as well. So the Torah is here to make us good human beings. And we are going to connect to these two parts of the Torah in order to make us good people. So the body of Torah means the revealed part of the Torah. It means halacha. It means chumash. It means gemara. It means all the parts of Torah that are practical and help us in this physical world. So for example, I'm walking on Chavez and I took out a lot of money on Friday because my kids always need singles for the machines for school and I wanted to take out money for my babysitter and I took out extra whatever, a few hundred dollars and I stuck it in my pocket and then I came home for Shabbos and I forgot about it. I wore that same coat on Shabbos. I'm walking, as I arrive at my sister-in-law's house, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have wads of cash. Mind you, they're singles. But I'm like, what do I do with this money? So what do I do is I have to connect to what the Torah, the physical Torah tells us, what the halacha tells us and says, you have to do with the shinoi and you have to take it out and you have to drop the money right over there. You know, there's all these parts of Torah that are practical that allow us to live our lives down here in the physical world. Um, and all of those practical parts of Torah are brought down through the Shulchan Aruch and through the Gemara. And that's all on figuring out how we are supposed to live a good and healthy life down here. You know, you're in traffic and you're stuck in 18 minutes of Shabbos, right? These are all examples leading up to Shabbos. But there are so many things that happen. What do you mean? If your neighbor damages your property, do they owe you money? How do they damage your property? All these like halachic questions of like, do you owe somebody interest? Does somebody, if somebody borrows something from you and how do you return it? All of those things are how we deal with our practical life down here. What do we do if somebody bumps into my car? That all tells us how to navigate the physical world with all of its problems. And that's a big part of Torah, and that we refer to as the body of Torah. Now, just like a person has a soul, there's also a soul to Torah. And what is that? That might seem a little esoteric, and it might seem a little bit lofty, and like I said, it's a very daunting task for us to explain what the soul of Torah is. But the soul of Torah is Kabbalah, okay? Or we can refer to it, we'll refer to it tonight, as Torah Sachasidas, okay? So now, what exactly is Kabbalah? And Hasidus is very much connected to the world of Kabbalah. Hasidus is the Torah of Mashiach. And it's very much connected to a time period 
that is going to be post this physical world and an era of when Mashiach comes. Now, Kabbalah can be divided into two parts, okay? Um, I recently learned that it's okay to try to understand things on your level like it is right now and maybe not fully understand it because in the times of Mashiach, we're gonna be able to really understand this, so this is just like prepping you guys for it, okay? So bear with me, okay? There are two parts to Kabbalah. The first part is what we refer to as my Seberatius, which are the workings of creation. And the second part of Kabbalah is what we refer to as my Kava, which is the workings of the chariot. Now, if any of you have been to school, Beis Yaakov, like we used to learn about my Kava, it was like in the Navi, and I wasn't sure we fully understood it, right? But like all good Beis Yaakov girls and boys, they all ever heard this concept. But what does it mean, my Seberatius and my Kava? So the workings of creation means that there is this major section of Kabbalah that, um, there's a major section, sorry, of Torah that helps us navigate this physical world, but there's a major section of Torah that's connected to the spiritual world. So it's not about being stuck on the road before Shabbos, and it's not about what do I do with the $500 in my coat pocket on Shabbos, right? Kabbalah doesn't talk about down here. It's a section of Kabbalah that is talking about how Hashem created this world. It's talking about the infrastructure of the higher world. So just like, I never took this subject, but if you were to take physics, physics would teach you about the physical aspects of this world. Kabbalah teaches you about the aspects in the upper world of how Hashem created the world. So everything that we see down here on this physical world is really just a manifestation of the spiritual world shining itself down on here. So for example, this table, this chair, this painting is all a manifestation of the spiritual world reflecting itself here into this world. Um, I am not a Kabbalist and I can't fully understand this, but one of these teachings I actually heard from Rev. Danielle Katz, he's incredible, he has a website, he's amazing, and he actually taught this very clearly once He's talking about Shabbos and he's talking about how the physical world manifests itself in the spirit. The spiritual world manifests itself into this world and it does so in the number seven. So there are seven spheros, the seven emotional spheros that connect to this world. Um, for example, there are, when Hashem took the spiritual world and he brought it down here into this world, he manifested in the number seven, which is um, the seven continents. There are seven main bodies of water, seven notes of music, seven colors in the rainbow. So that's one concept where you can see there's the spiritual world up here, which reflects itself down on here. So my separationist is um, not learning about how your body works. It's about how we can navigate our body down here as a reflection from the spiritual world. It's teaching you what's taking place in the higher world beyond the vision of this physical world that we see here. And it tells us a little bit about what's going on in the upper worlds. Okay, that's all my separation. And that's kind of like the DNA of the spiritual world. We have DNA down here that comprises of our body. There's DNA of the spiritual world, and that's all one part of Kabbalah. The next part of Kabbalah is called the working of the chariots, my summer kava. And that is, once you understand how the higher worlds works, you can know intellectually in your brain how it works, but the next step is to be able to go to that spiritual place. Now, we can be stuck here in this physical three-dimensional world, or we have this ability as human beings to be able to use certain tools 
to actually experience a spiritual world while living in the physical world, short of like dying, right? So I'll give you a simple example. When you go for a blood test, right? Um, I frequently take my kids for blood work and I'm always like, yeah, it's not a big deal, it's not a big deal, don't worry, just squeeze my hands, right? But when I'm going for myself, what do I do, right? They tie the thing around my arm, they make it tight, they're like, pump your fist, right? I'm pumping, I'm pumping. And I immediately look away and I close my eyes for one minute and then the lady like slips out the needle and she's like, okay, I'm done. And you're like, oh, really? Oh, okay, amazing, fine. Like, you know, just hold your hand over here. You know, you don't have to release your fist and you're good to go. What's this concept of me closing my eyes? Like I'm scared of the needle and then when I open my eyes, it's gonna be okay. That's by the way, the same idea as vacation, right? Sometimes you're bogged down by your work schedule and it's a lot and even like 24 hours of escaping or just going away or taking a day off, going on a hike, going away, going away for 48 hours can totally recharge you. Even though it's a fake world, it's not this physical world, right? Going to Miami for 24 hours is nice it's not like leaving this world, but this like this kind of like letting go of being bound to the physical constraints of this world. So closing your eyes, this concept of closing your eyes for a few minutes, and that closing of your eyes takes you to a place where you're ready at your end goal. And then when you open up your eyes, you're back where you need to be, but you have a sense of calmness, you have a sense of control, and you have a sense of relaxation. So. Obviously, what we're referring to here is much deeper. You know, the Baal Shem Tov was able to, you know, take his neshama and project himself up and speak with Mashiach and then come back down here into this world. That's obviously a very, a level that he was able to reach. But just for us personally, there is a concept of being able to leave the physical constraints of this world and go to somewhere higher. And then when you come back, it's all much better. Um, so the Baal Shem Tov had this elevation of the soul and that's Maisa Merkava and that's tapping into Kabbalah and that's not only knowing the higher worlds, but it's also being able to get there. You know, think about when you go on a road trip. My family took a road trip to Miami. I don't suggest it to anybody with small children. I'm, I still have PTSD um, from it. Um, if somebody says a 95, I'm like, no, don't go there. Like, I'm not going on the 95. Um, but if somebody were to go on a road trip, um, maybe without like children who have motion sickness, that would be good. But if you were to go on a road trip from let's say here to Miami, right? If you were to go there, you need two things. You need one, you need directions. You need to know how to get there. You need a map. You need to figure out like, you know, shortcuts and, and faster ways and routes where there's, there's speed cameras, right? And then you also need to, a car to be able to get there. So the first step of having directions is this concept of Maseberatius, where where am I going? How do I navigate? And the second part of Kabbalah is my summer Kava is I need a car to be able to get there. I need to be able to experience. So how do I get there? So this is the two-part system to be able to connect to the soul of Torah, to be able to connect to the neshama of Torah, and to be able to tap into this ability to escape this world and connect to divine presence. Um, and by the way, this was the expertise of the Nevi'im. You know, um, I feel like I was talking about my daughter last week, but where I, I, I love, I love homework. Whoever. In, Whoever invented homework, good for you, but not for our homes, right? Okay, so anyway, when we are doing homework, one of the subjects that I abhor is math, so we have math tutors for that. Um, but one of the subjects that I truly enjoy is Navi. Um, I, Chomish, I find that I have like a little bit of a harder time, but Navi, I very much connect to because it's stories and I can give it over to her, right? And you read these stories of the Nevi'im and you're like, the Nevi'im, it was like a whole nother world. Like, what kind of world do they live in? You know, it's funny because we only know of the 48 recorded Nevi'im and the Shiva Nevi'os. 
Um, and by the way, if anybody wants to learn more about the Shiva Navios, I do have a seven part series on the Shiva Navios on Thank You Hashem. So, and those were uploaded also to the podcast. So if you would like to listen to them, you can. Um, but even though we only know the 48 um, Navim and Shiva Navios, there were thousands of Navim. There were schools for Navim. Like think like Hogwarts, but like also think of like much, much higher levels. Hi, Getty. I'm looking at the comments over here. Sorry, sometimes I get distracted. Um, so you read the Navi. These were people who like just went to sleep and they all of a sudden woke up and they like had a conversation with God. This wasn't like something that's that like, you know, it, it, it was like such a strange thing. Like I'm learning it with my daughter and it's like, you know, and Shmuel, he was sleeping and he heard someone talking to him and it was Hashem. And then he all of a sudden had this nevuah that he was going to give over. These were people who spent thousands, who spent years, sorry, and decades really trying to deepen their understanding of the workings of creation to be able to understand what is happening in the higher world. They wanted to understand the structure of the world. They wanted to understand the directions of what happens in the upper world. And then not only did they figure out the directions, they also spent many years working and fixing themselves to the point where they were able to meditate. They were able to use certain divine names of Hashem to literally be able to leave their bodies and escape the prison of the physical world and then go take a ride to the higher worlds. It was like once they had the directions and they made up their way to Shemayim, they knew exactly how to navigate. They knew exactly where to go. So it's because they spent decades studying it. They really, really worked on themselves and they had their neshamos connect to this world that was above the physical constraints of this world. So now historically, we no longer have Nevi'im, right? We don't have this concept of Nevu'ah. Um, we don't have people connecting, you know, and having aliyah and neshama. So really what happened, right? And, and how do we go on from here? What's next with this concept of neo-Hasidus? So what Rabbi Chaim Vital is explaining to us that there's this body and this soul to Torah. The body can be compared to the Jewish people living here in exile, okay? We're here in Galas and we have a world of Torah, a body of Torah that teaches us how to live our lives here in exile. And if you're living a physical life, like and if you're keeping Shabbos and you're keeping kosher and you're putting up mezuzahs, that's all amazing. And that's something that we should all aim for. However, that is not allowing your soul to fully, truly express itself. There's only so much, by the way, that our soul can connect to in this world. You know, when will our soul be able to fully express itself? In the times of Mashiach. But up until then, we only have like a small little, what we say like, like a drip line that is slowly getting stronger and stronger as we get closer to the times of Mashiach. So just like halacha is the revealed part of Torah and that connects you to, that allows you to express your body in a very holy and healthy, proper way. So too, Kabbalah allows your soul to express itself in a healthy way, but it's your neshama. So now when we talk about this idea of Torah HaMashiach, we're talking and connecting it to this Torah of Hasidus and the revelation of Hasidus is about opening up the Torah of Mashiach and making it more accessible for people and eventually allows us to bring Mashiach. Um, so if you compare exile to redemption, you can, if anybody of you have taken any of my classes, I'm sure Nicole, if she's here, she knows. I love to make lists of, you know, two sides, right? We always have like two topics on one side and then we just make a list 
and that list grows. So let's start building that list. We have on one side, we have the Torah Hanigla, the Torah Ahalacha of Gemara, of Talmud, Mishnayis, on one side. And on the other side, we have this Torah of Kabbalah, of Hasidus. And under either, each one of those, we can say that the Torah Hanigla connects to the time that we are living in exile. And the Torah Hanistar is connected to the time period of Mashiach. Now, one of the biggest problems that we have from allowing, let's say, our souls to always escape, right? To go on vacation, like never come back, which I don't know if that's a good thing. Um, it's because really our bodies make so much noise. Our bodies have to be paid attention to so much. So we have so much that we have to take care of physically that sometimes it doesn't allow us to really express and show who our true neshama was. But when Mashiach comes and the body is quiet and the body is subdued and Taiva and Yitzhahara is gone, that's when the neshama will fully be able to express itself. So the Torah of Mashiach means the full revelation of Torah, of the soul of Torah, of Kabbalah. And um, Kabbalah really, I mean, it was given to us at Har Sinai. And what is unique about Hasidus is that it allowed for the opening of these ideas to even the lowest people. And we mentioned that in the first class, it's bringing all the outsiders in to allow them to also experience a level of some, a level of being able to elevate their soul. And like the Baal Shem Tov said, that like even us regular people need to be able to do that. So yes, you're not a bucking halacha or gemara or this or that. By the way, I wasn't sure exactly what to do with the money in my pocket and I wasn't sure how to do it, right? But the, the fact that learning Torah Sachasidas will allow us to elevate and escape the, what we spoke about last week, the like the manchin de katnis of like, the, the small, detailed, you know, everyday life, um, Hasidus allows you to escape that, to go away from it, to close your eyes at the time that you're getting a blood test, to be able to go on vacation for a little bit and be able to come back in a more um, settled mindset. So there was tremendous opposition to this, and we are very much aware of that, and we're not going to be discussing that in class tonight, but if somebody wants to message me, or maybe we'll do a little follow-up, um, on the Torah of the Gra versus the Torah of the Baal Shem Tov, but that's not for now. But the full revelation of the soul of Torah is going to be when the time of Mashiach comes. But you should know that when it comes to opposition, um, any time that there's something great being revealed that's connected to the time of Mashiach, there's going to be opposition and there's going to be something sketchy and funny. And you could actually bring this back to the, to all the way back to the story of Lot with his daughters, which was such a strange story that Lot um, was with his daughters to be able to have children, right? This was the time of after Sodom and they thought everybody was gone and the world was over and, and his daughters felt the need that we need to repopulate this world and they were with their father and they had children. You know, that was a very strange idea. And out of that comes Moab, who eventually brings Russ, who eventually, she's a great, great, she's a great grandmother of David Amalek. Or even the story of Yehuda and Tamar, right? You know, Mashiach ben David is going to be coming from Yehuda, but it's such a strange story, the way it takes place. Like, when I was in school, honestly, we like, breezed over this topic, like, very, like, right? We just like, you know, told the story very briefly, but never fully understood that Yehuda met Tamar and she didn't know who she really was and she was really her daughter-in-law and then she became pregnant with twins and Mashiach comes from there. And the story of David and Bacheva is also a very strange story. But what we see is that whenever there's an uncovering of Mashiach ben David, there is going to be opposition. And trust me, when the Baal Shem Tov came to this world, there was opposition against this. And that we can understand by when something great is happening, it's often hidden by something dark and scary. 
Um, and in actually the book that I was teaching, The Story of Our Lives in Breslau Book Club, we learn, and this we learn from Breslau Hasidus, is that whenever there's something very, very dark and very, very strong, you know, and, and sometimes negative, what we try to assume is that it means that there's something very big in opposition against it. Okay, so if you see something very dark and scary, it's gaining its power from something very, very positive. Um, okay, sorry, I just went off on a tangent. So let's go back. Um, so what we learn from this is that we can't go from zero to 60 in one second. There has to be a slow process. This coming of Mashiach is when the floodgates will eventually open up, but we need a slow intro, a slow drip line to Mashiach coming. And historically, we see that it came down very slowly. We spoke about last week how Hashem had Rahmanas on us at different points in our lives and slowly gave us little doses and doses of um, of what we can call Taurus Hanistar, of Hasidus slowly coming into us, and that's what gave us the strength to continue this far. So now, historically, the Nevi'im were the masters of Kabbalah. They were the masters of directions. They also were the best drivers. They had the best cars. They knew exactly how to make their way to God. Now, um, once prophecy ended, right, after the destruction of the first base of Mikdash, we actually entered a time period that was very, very much focused on the world, on the Torah's Hanigma. Because that's when we entered exile. That's when we left, we were kicked out of the first base of Mikdash. The first base of Mikdash was everything. We had full Nevoah. Second base of Mikdash, by the way, like now we're coming Hanukkah time period, there was no Nevoah during the second base of Mikdash. We did not have the full glory of the first base of Mikdash during the time period of the second base of Mikdash. And that was very different. Once prophecy ended, we entered this period, a very, very strong, solid period of Torah Sanigla, of the, of the Gemara being written, of Mishnayis being taught, and further furthering the, the teachings of how to live in this physical world. And that's because we were in exile. We needed this. Um, and now Kabbalah, which is coming, slowly starting to come back now, is really the level of prophecy. It's really the prophecy that's coming back slowly. Um, this is another topic that I'm very, very much fascinated by, but I'll just give you a little bit of a taste of it, is that now as we enter a generation where creativity is looked at in very much high respect as opposed to, let's say, intelligence, um, where somebody who's creative or somebody who um, were entrepreneurs are um, looked upon as you know our leaders, right? We have people who are possibly inattentive, right? ADHD, where people are living in their own little world, that, those neshamos are very, very much connected to the neviim of old times. Those are neshamos that are able to project themselves or put them in a place where is not the confined by the physical world that we see. You know, previously, the people that we looked up to were was you know Albert Einstein or Sir Isaac Newton, right? People who were philosophers, people who were scientists, people who really knew the inner workings of the physical world, physicists, mathematicians. Nowadays, the people that we look up to are the creatives, are the people who are, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, right? Facebook, this world of the metaverse, right? People who can transport themselves outside this physical world, those are people we look up to. And that is the world being connected to this this maybe a little bit of hint of what we call Hasidus of Torah Sanistar of, of prophecy where we can connect ourselves and project ourselves to a place that's outside the physical, uh, the maybe the mundane, maybe the limited, where we no longer want to be limited. We want to be able to be limitless. So 
why is it important for us to understand this? Because what we see is that what's next, right? We're asking ourselves, the title of this class is what's next. What's next is that we need to slowly start to connect ourselves to the world and to the light of the Torah of Mashiach, the Torah of Hasidus. Now to say for one second that we're going to leave the body and we're going to forget all the, all the details of the Torah Nigla would be very, very wrong because you can't have a soul without a body, right? That, that wouldn't be. And then again, you can't have a body without a soul. So we need to be able to incorporate both these sides of who we are. We have to incorporate the body, which is the Torah, the Halacha, the, the Chumash, the Rashi, all the things that are out there. And we also have to now connect ourselves, now we know, to this world of Kabbalah that we should be able to understand a little bit of Maisei Merkava and a little bit understanding of Maisei Barashas. And when, we have to know that when Hashem gave us the Torah, He gave us both. But an interesting thing happened. He gave us the Torah, right? And we actually said after two of the, of the, the, the first two commandments, right? We said, oh my gosh, no, 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 this is too much. We need to hear from Moshe. Happens to be it wasn't us. It was the Erev The Erev were the non-Jews who mixed themselves into the Jewish people. And they said it's too much for us. They said, we're not sure that we can connect to that spiritual realm. We need to hear it from a person. We want to hear it from Moshe. And if you take it even back a little bit more, this is the original sin of Adam and Chava. Adam said, Adam was given two trees, right? There was, it, there was, he was living in Gan Eden, this is amazing. And Hashem said, here's the Eitz Chaim and here's the Eitz Hadas Tovarah. Eitz Hadas Tovarah is connected to the world of the Nigla of the physical world that we see here, right here, right? The tree of knowledge of good and evil. The world of physics, the world of understanding this physical world. And then there's the Eitz HaChayim. And the Eitz HaChayim is the true life. That's the, that's the Torah Hanisar. That's the world that's all godliness, that's all Hashem. And what did Adam do? Adam said, I'm going to eat from that tree. Hashem, Hashem said, don't. And he said, oops, this is where I'm eating from. And him eating from that tree was kind of like a statement of him saying, I want to connect to this physical world. I want to know more about this physical world. So the ultimate tshuva has to happen when we can also connect to the world of godliness, the world of Hashem, and that's what the Baal Shem Tov came to the world for. Um, and you know, if you look at the names of the trees, right, the Eitz HaChaim and Eitz HaDas Tovarah, the Eitz HaDas Tovarah has, has good and evil in it. And this physical world does have evil, and it has sickness, and it has death, and it has tragedy, and it has cancer, and it has divorce, and it has people struggling with Parnassa, and it has real difficulties. And it's, it's good to know how to handle that. It's good to know how to make a budget if you're struggling with Parnassa. It's good to know that there are treatments for people who have cancer. It's good to know that there are treatments for people who have heart conditions, right? But confining yourself only to this physical world is very limited. If you step into the world of Taurus HaChasidus and the world of the Taurus HaMashiach, what ends up happening is that you realize that it's all good, right? In the world of Kabbalah, there is no evil. There is no bad guy. It's all God. It's all Eno Melvado. It's only Hashem. So being able to elevate yourself from this physical world and connect to a spiritual world makes you recognize that there is no evil. Now, Kabbalah will teach you how evil came to this world. It will explain to you. But once you get to that world, it's only God. Um, if you think about it, I, I, I don't learn Gemara, but when I do homework with my son, and 
he's like, he's saying, and this Rebbe says this, and Rabbah says this, and Abaye says this, and it's all of an argument, right? You walk into Beis Medrash, and, and there's arguments, and there's fighting, and there's, he says this, and he says this, and we will fight till the end of time, like, Hillel, Beis, Beis Hillel says this, and Bishama says this, right? There's machlokas, and there's, there's little bits and pieces. What we, what we refer to as machlokas is like small little things, and small little things, when they're broken up, that causes death, right? Think about when, God forbid, somebody dies, right? Different organs, different parts of their body break down and they're not connected. That becomes death. When Adam ate from the Eitz Hadas Tovorah, he brought death to this world, right? When the people at Har Sinai said, we want to hear from Moshe, and then they lost the first Luchos, they connected to a world of the second Luchos, right? They connected to a world where they didn't want to receive it only from Hashem, they wanted to receive it from Moshe, that also brought death to this world, right? After Cheta Egel, that whole generation, they slowly died out. So only connecting to the physical world of Torah can bring upon people struggling, arguments, evil, breaking down. But when you connect to something much higher, when you connect to the, the Torah's Hanistar, when you connect to the world of Hasidus, where Enol Movado, everything is one, everything is whole, that's Etachayim. So if we go back to the list for one second, we have so far on one side, we have Torah Sanistar, which is the world of Kabbalah, which is the Torah of Mashiach, which is the Eitz HaChayim, and also connected to Geula. And on the other side, we have Torah Hanigla, which is the Gemara, which is the Chumash, which is Rashi, which is also connected to the world of Eitz Hadas Torah, which is also connected to a time period of Galus, and also connected to, to death. To, to being limited, to being confined, to living here for 120 years. Kabbalah is complicated. I'm not saying that it's easy, but it's definitely talking about a higher level that is above the constraints of this world. And it's a level of reality where really no problem can reach. So the body of Torah is talking about the workings of this world. You know, all the details, but maybe not, not, not I'm not gonna say bogged down, but the details of this world where the Torah of Kabbalah is all about the soul. And you know, a person can spend their entire life learning the physical world, which is learning the physical Torah and the Torah Sanigla, which is amazing. But what we're seeing now with the onset of the Baal Shem Tov and this, what we say, this leak of the Torah HaChasidas, and, and it keeps getting stronger and stronger, we can see that that's where we need to be. We need to connect ourselves to a world that's a little bit higher by learning the teachings of Hasidas. Now. I think that we can see this actually happening in this world. I want to say that probably one of the first shuls that I know that has done this is Ish Kodesh with Moshe Weinberger, which many of the teachings that I'm teaching here is from him. Um, he explains very much that when we connect to the stories of Hasidus, we're preparing ourselves for this time period of Mashiach. And I think with shuls that are teaching Hasidus, which where schools are implementing this and teaching this, what we do at Thank You Hashem is trying to ignite the spark within the thirsty soul. We want to bring people closer because we want them to recognize that being confined to this physical world, it's great, but being able to connect to something higher and then bringing you that back into this world is even greater, it's even better. Um, and I think that ultimately when we do this, when we do tshuva for, let's say the sin that Adam did originally that he only ate from the Eitz of Raya, when the Eir of Rav, chose to not hear from Hashem and only be able to hear from Moshe, that is the tshuva that we need to do. So 
when we received the second Luchos, we were, you know, connecting to a world of the Eitzadas Tovarat. Had we received the first set of Luchos, we would have been entering a time period of Mashiach. It would all have been good. Um, this is also what caused the destruction of the first and second base Amikdash because, and, and this is the reason that we are still in Gaulus today, um, and the Jewish people need to be able to do tshuva to recognize that we want to be able to receive the Torah from Hashem and not just Moshe. And at some point, um, this was kind of prophesized that the Jewish people are no longer going to be satisfied with just knowing how to do the mitzvos, and rather we're going to really want to know why we perform the mitzvos. And not in a rebellious way, not in a way like where we raise our hand and we tell our teacher, like, what does this mean, right? Like, I, 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 and, and those, are, those are important questions. Like, I see somebody ask the question, like, do you have a TV in your house? Like, those are all like small little details, right? That's, we don't want to just be taught Torah just to be able to get by. We, learning the Torah Mashiach means that we need to usher in that Torah. We need to be interested in the God who gave us the Torah, and we want to have a connection with him, right? We want to be able to receive the gift, let's say the gift of Shabbos, and know who it's truly, really coming from. We don't want just the instruction booklet. We want to be able to connect to the creator. We want to know who our king is. And I think that anybody tuning in here to Thank You Hashem is definitely feeling it and definitely wants to connect more. And when the Jewish people wake up, right? We have a song with the eighth day, wake up Yidin, right? When we wake up, we realize that we want to connect to a higher purpose. We want to connect to something more. And um, Reb Chaim Vital, he explains, he promises, us, he promises us that as we get closer to Mashiach, the Jewish people are, are going to begin to not be satisfied in knowing how to perform the mitzvot, but we're going to want to know how the mitzvot can help bring us closer to Hashem. And the Baal Shem Tov really came to motivate us um, to ask the question and to be able to eventually answer the question of what is the Torah of Hasidus? Like, what is this Torah of Mashiach? So the next step would be for us to figure out what this rebranding of Hasidus is, right? What neo-Hasidus is? What is the, the repackaging of Kabbalah? And the repackaging of Kabbalah is really just being able to pave the way to a time period that all Jewish people will be able to connect to something more spiritual and not just be happy with status quo and not just be okay with like, you know, a good Shabbos menu and a, a, a smooth work week, right? And give a little tzedakah here and there and, uh, you know, do your homework and be a good girl and be a good boy and cover your knees and, you know, do whatever you need to do to get by. You know, to get how like, I, my daughter's already like talking about seminary, right? Like to get into a good seminary, right? To, to have a good shidduch. Like what do I need to do to be able to get that? And Hasidus is not founded upon that. Hasidus is founded upon um, a, a light that tells us that Hashem exists everywhere in every single moment, in every single thought, and not just getting into the best seminary. And, you know, action that we do here in this world to really cause a connection. And when you look at life in a deeper existence and you realize that it's not just, you know, my neighborhood and a couple of my friends, it's much, much bigger, that we're really much, much more connected to a God above. I think that's what will bring us to the next step and to the next stage. And I wish anybody who's listening to this to feel free to reach out to me or to find some class on Torah anytime and use your time to learn and connect to this Torah of Hasidus because like we said last week with Rabbi Nachman, it's not just practically, you know, Rabbi Nachman taught us very practically how to live our lives, but it's also something that we need to spread forth. We need to be able to teach other people. We need to bring other people into this life because 
it will allow us to usher in the next stage, which is Mashiach. And um, I was talking with my daughter on Chavez, my little one, and she was like, oh, I wish like it could just happen now. And I'm like, why? She's like, because then everybody would feel better and all the sick people would be better, right? And I'm thinking in her eight-year-old mind, you know, she's not so far off from what all of us want. And for us to be able to recognize that, you know, sickness is just a breakdown of the physical body. And um, when we realize that we're not just small little pieces, we're much, much bigger, that's connecting to the world of Kabbalah, the world of the Torah of Mashiach, the world of Hasidus, that's what's going to bring us to the next stage. So I hope that you all enjoyed. Um, I know this class was a little heavy. There's a lot of information here. Um, so really thank you for joining me along on this ride. This was an incredible experience for me. And um, I think there's still more to come. There is still more to come. So thank you for joining. Um, for all these of those of you who follow, thank you, Hashem. This is our role. This is our our journey, and we're glad that you're here on it. So thank you so much. Have a great night.